You may be seated. Crucifixion was described by the famous Roman orator Cicero as the most cruel and hideous of punishments. By Roman law, Lex Romana, it was reserved for criminals that did not have Roman citizenship. Romans, the Roman citizens could not be crucified. And those who could be, it was usually only for those who threatened the Roman social order. Over the centuries as Rome conquered additional peoples, they refined this means of excommunication, this, uh, not excommunication, execution, to a very slow process of a painful public death. We tend to think that the cross was lifted high up, you know, on this hill, when in fact archaeology and everything knows that the crucified man, usually, was at eye level so that passers-by could store in them. And you have that in the biblical account of the crucifixion of Jesus, people walking by and spitting on him. So they could spit in his face, they could curse him, they could throw dust at him. And also, they were completely naked. They were hoisted up and you, can't, you, you died, not by bleeding to death, but by asphyxiation, you couldn't breathe anymore. Your body literally just couldn't support it and the weight would kill the perpetrator. The Roman intent was to create horror in the eyes of the public so that they would deter rebellion and sedition. On the screen, you're gonna see an interesting picture. And we'll get that up. Early Christian believers were mocked. I mean, we don't understand how much they were mocked, but they were ridiculed because they worshiped a crucified God. In the eyes of the Romans, this would be like incredibly weird. Strange. In Rome, on the Palatine Hill, they discovered this etching in plaster. If you look closely, it is the image of a young man whose hand is out in worship, praying. And he's worshiping a crucified, donkey-headed figure. And the inscription underneath reads, Alexander worships his God. An ass God. That's exactly how the Romans saw Christian worship. If you think of that for a moment, and in light of the mockery that our brothers and sisters faced because of their faith in the crucified and risen one. The words of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church have a stinging truth, for he would write to them, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's folly. But to us who are being saved, 
It is the power of God. The cross was a symbol of oppression and of subjugation. It was a sign of defeat. But Paul tells us that the word of the cross is the sign of God's power. The power of God? Really? For those standing around the site of the crucifixion of Jesus, what do you think they thought? Oh, here's the power of God. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. It was the power of Rome they witnessed. By sure imagination, that power that would crush that power that would silence dissenting voices. I doubt that anyone that day saw the power of God on a darkened Friday afternoon at a place called the Skull. This donkey king was a powerless king with no kingdom, and Pilate knew that. And that's why he even had the inscription written over. It was to ridicule the Jews and all. Jesus, the King of the Jews. Sure. Just as the picture mocked. I mean, even Jesus cried out just before his death. Remember in the words of John, the last words of Jesus is what? It is finished! And I got to thinking, as I meditated on this text, how do you think anyone standing around the cross, what do you think they thought when they heard, it is finished? Did the crowds and the soldiers think it was a cry of resignation? Like, I'm done for. It's over. I've tried for three years, and it means nothing. Why? Even the disciples in fear fled from Jesus. Why, a few tried, Peter finally denied, and you had only one left there with his mother and a few other brave women. Oh, I'm certain that anyone of those bystanders at the foot of the cross of Jesus thought when he said, it is finished, he meant it's over. But Jesus didn't cry out, I am finished, did he? He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. Rather than a cry of defeat, it literally was an acclamation of victory. <laughs> there, in a darkened Friday afternoon on a place called the Skull, Jesus is declaring victory on the cross. But we would only understand that victory because of his resurrection on the third day. If he remained dead, it was finished, kaput over. For on the cross that Friday afternoon fulfilled the very words 
that John, his cousin, the Baptist, had spoken when he saw Jesus coming to the Jordan. And what did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away what? The sins of the world. Here is the Lamb of God. The Apostle Paul would put it this way. While we were yet helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, and God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For He was delivered up for our sins and raised for our justification. It is finished, yes, the work of salvation, the work of redemption. And it is interesting that the word that John records right before this final word of it is finished, he says, I thirst. And in the choir piece that we heard, what did Jesus pray three times in Gethsemane? Father, if it be thy will, Remove what? This cup of suffering. But not my will, but thine. And so he drinks the cup of suffering. And after drinking that cup to fulfill all that the scriptures said, he then declared, it is finished. My brothers and sisters, the crucifixion of Jesus is so intimately tied and can only be understood in the very words and actions of our Lord that took place on the evening before his suffering and death. There, on a Thursday night, as they celebrated the Paschal Feast, the Passover, Jesus would astound the twelve, would say some strange words. He would change the liturgy of the Passover and in taking the matzah, the bread, he would break it and said, take this all of you and eat of it, for this is my body which is given up for you. And then he would take the third chalice of wine in the Passover celebration, and he declared, this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant that will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And there it is. It's the forgiveness of our sins. That is why the supper of our Lord is at the center of Christian life and Christian faith. Because every time it is celebrated in the Mass, it brings us back to Calvary. To the very sacrifice that He offered once for all in His flesh. Jesus would astound a congregation in the synagogue at Capernaum when He would declare these words. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. My brothers and sisters, this is the gift of Good Friday that is unpackaged on Easter Sunday when our Lord declares victory over sin and death and the grave. It is finished, He said. There is nothing more that needs be done. Nothing that can be done. What we do is receive it by faith. It is finished. But interestingly, for us, those words mean it begins. Because our Lord calls us this night and every time we hear God's word and receive the sacraments, he calls us to follow his cross. In fact, to even take up our cross and follow him. And that means to follow him where he leads you, wherever that might be. I have up now on the screen after this the words of the Apostle Paul that I think in some ways summarize what should be our entire Christian life. It's, it, Paul writes these words, follow along on the screen. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in my body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'd like to close this homily by having that be our prayer. So let's pray these words of Paul together. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in my body, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's take a few moments to ponder those words.